Well, last week we kicked off a new series here at Centerpoint called Getting Over It. We're talking about getting over some things in our life. Anybody ever have something you got to get over before? Some of you, you're looking at it. You're looking at your kids. Some of you this morning on the way to church, you told your children, you just need to get over it, right? Come on, somebody. We got things in life we just got to get over. And in this series, we're talking about letting go of the baggage that we all carry. Now, how many of you know we've all got baggage in life? Some of us got more than others. Some of us, our baggage is, is a little more difficult to carry uh, than others, but we've all got baggage in some way. If I went around this room today, all of us would have baggage, and it might be a little bit different, but we understand what it means to have baggage in our life. And last week, I kind of talked about, I showed you all of my backpacks that I have for all of the different scenarios that I like to uh, engage in in the outdoors. One of the things that I really enjoy doing, I enjoy hiking. I love to hike. And uh, I, I enjoy backpacking. And uh, one of my, uh, years ago, I really, really was getting into backpacking. And we were doing a lot of, uh, with my brother-in-law, I was doing a lot of trips on the Appalachian Trail. I wanted to hike all of the, the miles of the Appalachian Trail here in the state of Georgia and then kind of work our way up into Tennessee and North Carolina. And, uh, and with that, I learned, I began to learn about some things that it, that, 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 that backpacking long distance really requires. And as I was reading about it, I, I became enamored with this idea of hiking the entirety of the Appalachian Trail from Georgia all the way to its terminus in Maine. That's a long way, y'all. That's a long hike. And so I'm reading about this, and I haven't done it yet. And to be honest with you, I probably never will, um, because that's a long way. <laughs> I don't know that I really want to do that. It just sounds good, right? There are things in life that just sound good, but we're like, you know, I probably won't ever do it. I'm just going to live vicariously through somebody else. But there are these people who hike that entirety of that trail, and they are called thru-hikers. And thru-hikers are very meticulous about what they put in their backpack. Because they understand that each day they're going to be hiking anywhere from 20 to 30, sometimes 40 miles over mountainous terrain, long distances. And so they understand that how much weight they have in their backpack is going to matter to their effectiveness in being able to hike the entirety of the trail. And so, uh, so these thru-hikers are very meticulous about what they put in their backpacks. In fact, many of them carry these little teeny tiny backpacks that are maxed out at the most about 20 to 30 pounds. I don't know how they do that, but, but they, what they do is they, they, they will look at items and they'll say, if this item cannot be used for multiple purposes, it doesn't go in my backpack. Or if this item is extra weight, they'll even start cutting straps and different things like that off of their backpack because they say that ounces over miles add up to pounds. And so they're very meticulous about what they do. And I know what it's like to hike a long distance with a lot of weight on my back. And it can be miserable if you don't take care about what you put in there and what you allow yourself to carry. And I got to thinking about it with this series 
Are we as meticulous about the things that we're carrying in life in the baggage that we're all carrying? See, we're all walking around with something, but a lot of us have not been as meticulous as we need to be about what we're allowing in our lives that is weighing us down. And here's the problem with that. The more weight we carry and the more we carry this stuff that God never intended for us to carry, the less effective we are in walking out the plan that God has for us. And what happens to a lot of those through hikers is they begin hiking the trail and they end up stopping and getting off that trail somewhere along the way because they put too much weight in their pack. And some of us are in that same place today. We have been carrying things that God never intended for us and we have stopped somewhere along the way and God is calling us back. He's calling us to a place to say, I'm letting this stuff go. So that I can get back on the journey that you've called me to and be effective in this walk called life. So last week we kicked off week number one and we, we were talking about the baggage of stress. The baggage of stress. And last week I was throwing these things all over the place. That was not planned. Uh, but you know what? When you get anointed, you get excited and you just start doing things that are crazy sometimes. And, uh, and we talked about the baggage of stress. And we talked about how God doesn't want to just, just, just suppress the stress in our life. God wants to address the stress in our life. God doesn't want to just make it more comfortable for us. God wants to kick it. <laughs> out of our life. I'm not going to kick your luggage, Rachel. But God God wants to get that stuff out of our life because he wants us to be free from it. He doesn't want us to carry this stuff any longer. He wants us to find rest in him. And so today we're going to move into week number 2 and our focus today is on the baggage of pride. The, I I hear the audible oh. Some of y'all you're like, "Well, that's not me." It, it, man, I'm so glad I came to church today because, Pastor, this message isn't for me. It's for that person over there. Listen, let me, just, let me just clue you in on something right now. If you're saying that's not for me, you better lean in because guess what? It's for you today, okay? Come on, somebody. Listen, we're, we're dealing with the baggage of pride today. See, we all at times find ourselves carrying this bag. This bag is, is, and I'm going to talk about it in a moment, but this bag is deceptive. This bag is the bag that we often think we don't have. This is the bag that we often think that we're, we're going through life. And a lot of times, it's like I said a moment ago, a lot of times if we're the one who thinks that this is the one we don't have in our life, it usually means that we are carrying this bag. We all know what it's like. We all at some point find ourselves carrying the baggage of pride. And can I tell you, God's word and God's attitude towards pride is very clear. You know what God's attitude towards pride is? He hates it. He hates pride. He didn't say, the Bible doesn't say he hates stress. He just wants to deal with stress in our life. But the Bible actually tells us that God hates pride. Proverbs 8.13 says it. It says, to fear the Lord is to hate evil. And then it says this, God says, I hate that's a strong word. I hate arrogant pride. He hates it. Why does God hate pride? Because pride is a stumbling block in the life of a believer and it brings dishonor upon God's people. How do I know this? Because Proverbs 16, 18 tells us this, that pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit 
before a fall. So God knows that when we have pride in our life, that it becomes a stumbling block for us. And it's because it is deceptive. It's because we don't often see it. And if we find ourselves tripping over this thing in our life, and the Bible tells us that it brings destruction for us, that it actually causes us to trip and to fall. It brings dishonor in our life. Simply put, before everything blows up in your life, before everything falls apart, most likely we have fallen prey somewhere to the sin of pride. Can I tell you this verse right here, Proverbs 16, 18, is a direct juxtaposition to Proverbs 15, 33, which says this, the fear of the Lord is instruction in wisdom. And humility comes before honor. The fear of the Lord is instruction in wisdom and humility comes before honor. So Proverbs 16, 18 tells us that pride comes before destruction. But Proverbs 15, 33 tells us that humility comes before honor. See, you can't have pride and have honor at the same time. You can't have pride and be blessed by God at the same time. You can't walk in this, in, in this selfish place or this self-sufficient place and be blessed by God. Here's why. Because God can't honor pride. And we, we, anybody, if you, if you go to the Old Testament and you read the Ten Commandments, what's the very first commandment that God gives? Thou shalt have no other gods before me. So he sets the precedent for us all the way back in the Old Testament. He says, nothing in your life should sit on the throne above me. But the problem with pride is that we elevate ourselves to that throne. That we have now become a God unto ourselves. Because pride is all about me and my needs and my wants and, and, and me being me not looking, looking bad in front of people or, or, or me having a good reputation or me getting what I deserve or me getting what I want. Pride is all about me, me, me. And when I'm living in a place of pride, I am elevating myself to the throne of my heart. And God tells us, he says, you shall have no other God before me. God can only honor humility in the life of a person. Jesus flips everything on, the, on its head in the Beatitudes. And he starts telling us all of these things that don't look like what the world says. And, and he deals with this stuff in there. He deals with this attitude of humility. Because when we are humble, the humble are the ones who are exalted. The humble are the ones that are elevated in the kingdom of God. The first shall be last and the last shall be first in the kingdom of God. The, the way things work in the kingdom of God are always going to be countercultural to the world. So we got a lot of people in this world that won't honor, but they don't have any humility. They're selfish, they're prideful, they're chasing after clout and position and titles. We even see this in the church world. We got people want positions and titles and power. And listen, let me tell you this. In the church, the way the kingdom of God works is that we are called to be more concerned with having a towel than we are to be concerned with having a title. See, a towel is all about serving. A title is all about me getting what I want. And so God cannot elevate or honor that. We got people who are so consumed with these things. Let me tell you, honor is, it, honor is not forced or demanded. Honor is gained through humility. Andrew Murray says it like this. He says, pride must die in you 
or nothing of heaven can live in you. Pride must die in you or nothing of heaven can live in you. I think this is why the Apostle Paul says that he crucified his flesh daily. Because Paul knew that Paul was gifted. Paul had talents and abilities. And Paul understood and knew that if he did not crucify his flesh on a daily basis, that Paul would elevate himself above God in his own life. He had already done that before when he was walking in sin, living in sin. Before God got him on the Damascus road, he had already elevated himself. God humbled him and Paul said, I crucify my flesh daily. A friend of mine, Pastor Craig Mosgrove, who's preached here before, he used to say this, he would say, and this is going to sound a little crazy for some of you, but he said every morning when he got up to pray, he would imagine himself, picture himself, taking Himself, like his soul, his spirit, all of that. He would imagine himself taking himself and laying himself down on an altar. And he would lay himself down on that altar and in his mind's eye, he would put his foot on his own throat and crush the life out of himself. Now that's kind of a gory picture and some of us are like, whoa, that's a little weird. But it's a picture into what it means to crucify yourself daily. What Craig was saying is I have to understand that I've got to die every single day so that Christ can live in me. I've got to die to my selfish ambition. I've got to die to my pride. I've got to die to my flesh. I've got to die to the things that I want so that God, what he wants, can come alive in me. That's why Paul said that. we got to crucify our flesh. I once heard... A pastor say this. He said, Satan doesn't use pride to hurt men of God. He uses pride to kill men of God. There are more ministries that have suffered and crumbled and fallen apart because of pride over anything else. Now we see other things that, that on the surface seem to be the cause of the, uh, of the falling and the breaking, but at the reality, that at the heart of that situation was really pride. Pride was the first sin that we see in the Bible. It wasn't, it wasn't Adam and Eve sinning. The, 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 the first sin was actually all the way back in heaven long before Adam and Eve were created. We see Lucifer there. And Lucifer is, is an archangel in heaven and God has given him the authority to, to, to lead the worship of heaven. And Lucifer has been elevated to the highest status just below God in all of heaven. But here's the problem that Lucifer began to believe his own hype. Lucifer began to believe that he was as good, that the creation was as good as the creator. And what happens is he says in the book of Isaiah that he says, I will ascend to the highest place in heaven. I will exalt myself to this place. He began to believe that his own beauty and that his own power and his own ability was enough to exalt himself to a place. And the Bible says that he was cast down out of heaven. Why? Because of his pride. Because of his pride. See, that's why we have to crucify this on a daily basis. Because God cannot be in the presence of it. Satan uses pride, his sin, not just to hurt men and women of God, but to kill men and women of God. To destroy ministries, to destroy churches, to destroy marriages, to destroy relationships, to destroy friendships, to destroy your life. Can I tell you, John 10.10 10 tells us the thief comes but to steal, kill, and to destroy. It's his only goal. To destroy that which God has created. Because he no longer has the favor of God in his life. So he hates seeing it in you. 
And you know, I wish I could stand here today and say, I've never dealt with this. I wish I could stand here today and say, I've never dealt with pride. I wish I could say I've never had issues in my life with that. I wish I could say that I am truly a humble person, but I can't say that. I'm, I, I'm just going to be honest with you today. Is that okay? I, I'm, I, it just is what it is. Because even, even the most humble person in the world is going to be tempted with it. And I'm not the most humble person in the world. Years ago, and some of you might have heard me share this before. Years ago when Monty and I were in our early part of ministry, we were serving as youth pastors down in Sarah Land, Alabama. And uh, I was youth and worship pastor there, and God was blessing the ministry. It was growing. The church was doing really well. <clears throat> the youth ministry was growing. And, uh, and I, every day, because it was just me and my pastor on staff there, every day he'd call me in his office, and we'd sit down together, and we'd drink coffee. This man was a coffee-drinking fool. This, I mean, he just he drank coffee all day. He ate he drank coffee, I think, with every meal. It was I'm like, good lord. We go work in the yard at the church. We come back in sweating, and he's drinking coffee. I'm like, you are crazy. We sit there drinking coffee, and and he just encouraged me. That's a nice thing to have, isn't it? To have a pastor, to have somebody, to have your boss, your leader, whatever, building you up, encouraging you. And he'd sit there, man, and he'd just encourage me and build me up. And he'd say, Trey, you know what? Man, God's got greatness in you. There, there's, there's ability in you. There's talent in you. There's, there, God's favor's on your life. God's blessing is on your life. And, man, he'd just build me up, make me feel good. And, and he would say things like this. He'd say, Trey, you know, one day you're going to serve. You're going to be a youth pastor at one of the biggest churches in our denomination." Trey, one day, Trey, one day you're going to pastor a great church. Pa Trey, one day you're, Trey, you're going to do great things for the kingdom of God. And I appreciated him saying that stuff. And he started, he would say things like this. He'd say, Trey, you know what? You're, you're bigger than this. Trey, you, you deserve a bigger opportunity. You deserve a, a better, a better ministry position. You deserve something bigger. And you know what? Here's the thing. He was well-meaning in his approach. He wasn't wrong in encouraging me. The problem was I began to believe my own hype. The problem wasn't that he was telling me these things. The problem was that I believed it. And so I started believing, you know what? I do. I do, I, I do deserve something bigger. I started thinking about it. I was like, man, we got more kids in our youth group than that church across town. I started saying, oh, well, we, man, we're, we're, that big church over there, we got more kids in our youth group at our little church than they've got in that big church. Man, I do, I do deserve something bigger. Well, you know what? It wasn't long before God gave me something bigger. Monty and I, we accepted the position at a larger church in South Georgia. We, we were excited coming back to Georgia, going to be near family. And man, we're about to blow and go, man. This thing's about to happen. And I remember walking in there, we had a budget. Come on, somebody, we didn't have any money at that church. We come in, I got a budget. I ain't never seen money before. <laughs> I got a budget, we got a big old youth room. We, got, we had a game room, y'all. We had like video games and stuff. And I'm thinking, we already got a strong, there, there's, a, there's a strong group of about 35, 40 kids there. I'm like, man, we are about to hit this thing out of the park. And I remember the first time I walked in that youth room, I was walking around. And instead of being humble and recognizing that God had blessed me, I was walking around that room saying, man, with what we know how to do, in six months, we're going to have 100 kids in this room. Six months. I didn't say it out loud. 
See, listen, pride doesn't always come out on the surface. Sometimes pride is just hidden in the heart. Come on. And so, so I'm walking around, you know, with a humble look on my face. So pious, right? But I'm really thinking in my heart, man, we're about to kill this thing. It's about, I, you know, I'm thinking we're about to kill this thing in a good way. <laughs> we're about to kill it dead. Come on. And, and I'm walking around in that room and I'm thinking this. And let me tell you something. I thought in my mind in six months this thing is going is to blow up. I had no idea how it was going to blow up in the next six months. Listen, that ministry, man, there were things happening that I didn't even know how to deal with. I, I mean, we were having issues right and left. We had, I, I was dealing with the former youth pastor still hanging out in the youth room. And all the kids were going to them. And I'm like, what in the world is going on? Nobody was even recognizing me as the youth pastor at the time time I'm having to deal I'm having to deal with issues uh parents in the church getting mad at me over things that I wasn't even responsible for or didn't do but they didn't care they were upset at me I had kids at the time who didn't have any interest in me being their youth pastor they wanted the former youth pastor to come back and be their youth pastor and let me tell you it was horrible you know what God has a way of humbling us right it didn't mean we didn't have the ability it didn't mean that God had lifted his hand off of our life. It didn't mean that God didn't still want to use us to do good things for his kingdom. The problem was I had elevated myself and my ability above God's favor and God's blessing in my life. So we found ourselves in this place where everything was struggling. That youth ministry didn't grow in six months. That youth ministry declined in six months. And I remember one day I was sitting in my office and I was praying. Talked about it a few weeks ago, praying them angry prayers. You know, God, why would you let, you know, the gritted teeth prayer. Y'all know, know what I'm talking about. You pray those prayers sometimes. And I was praying, I was like, God, I'm so, I don't understand. It's like, God, well, man, we went in there. We didn't have any money at that church. We didn't know what we were doing. And man, that thing exploded. And now here we are with all of these things. And, and, and it feels like it's falling apart. And I'm like, man, for the first time in my life, I'm going to get fired from a job. I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, God, I don't deserve this. As clear as day, the Lord spoke to me and he said, you're right, you don't. You don't deserve any of this. He said, Trey, you don't deserve my favor on your life. You don't deserve my blessing on your life. You don't deserve the opportunities that I've given you. You don't deserve the platform that I've given you to preach the gospel. Trey, you don't deserve any of the things that I have blessed you with or given to you. Trey, the only thing according to the word of God that you deserve is death because the wages of sin is death. He said, but Trey, because I love you, I have blessed you and I have called you and I have placed my favor upon you. And if Trey, if you will ever come to the place that you return back to where you once were, I can bless you again and I will cause this ministry to thrive and grow and flourish God corrected me in that moment he began to deal with my heart and I remember sitting there as I began to weep I began to beg God God forgive me forgive me for this sin and as I begged God for forgiveness in that moment I felt the presence of the Holy Spirit come into that room and God began to minister to my heart and I told the Lord, I said, God, I'm going to go back and do what we did in the beginning. 
God, it's not about me. Lord, I know none of this is because of Trey. Lord, if it was just me doing this, it would fall apart. But God, because of your favor, Lord, I'm going to lean into that. I'm going to lean into you. I'm going to go back and just love on kids like you sent me to do. God, I'm going to go back and just preach the gospel. Let everything else fall away. But God, let me love kids and preach the gospel. And I believe that you'll take care of the rest of it. Can I tell you, God did it. When I came to the place where God humbled me and broke me down, God began to bless that ministry. It started growing and thriving again. That ministry grew to a place that it had never been before. And it wasn't because of Trey Powell. It was because God had brought me to a place of humility in my life. Because it's only in the place of humility that God can use us. It's only in the place where the pride is broken. That God can elevate us to the place that he desires for us to be. We have to crucify this thing in our life. Can I tell you, listen, humility is an inner awareness of our own frailty. I talked about the Beatitudes. We did that series this summer. The first Beatitude is Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You know what poor in spirit means? That we understand that we are utterly bankrupt before God. Poor in spirit doesn't mean I don't have any money. Poor in spirit means I understand that I am frail and broken and I can't do anything apart from God. That I need God's grace. I need God's favor. I need God's blessing. I need God's strength. That's why pride is so deceptive. Because it screams, I don't need anything. I don't need any help. I don't need any assistance. I've got this all on my own. I've got it all figured out. Some of us, listen, we, the reason we're not getting anywhere in life is because we've got control issues. Because we think we've got the answers and we can figure it all out and we can do it all on our own. Let me tell you, you need God and you need people. If you want to do anything in life, we have got to come to the place. If we want to do anything for the kingdom of God, we have got to come to the place that we begin to let go. And say, God, use me for your glory. Last year, Monty and I, we bought our first house. And uh, we, we've been in ministry for 15 years, I guess. Full-time ministry for 15 years. And everywhere we've been, we, the church had a parsonage that we were able to live in. And so, so with that, there was lawn care service. Because the lawn care who cut the church would come over to the house and they'd cut the grass at the parsonage. And here at Centerpoint, we do a house, we do housing, and so Monty and I were able to purchase a house last year. But what that means is that I've got to cut my own grass. <laughs> I gotta weed eat and I gotta do all of the all that stuff that I haven't had to do before. I, let me tell you, I'm learning. Dealing with yards and grass and stuff will humble you. Because <laughs> I'm a man, y'all. I got this. I go out there, man, I'm about to destroy all my grass. <laughs> Do you know something? I was amazed at how fast grass grows. <laughs> how often you have to cut it. Do you know what? Even more amazing than how fast, gra fa fast grass grows, I was amazed at how fast weeds grow. Listen, I mean, you can, you can do everything in the world to get rid of them. It seems like they still find a way to show up in your yard. And, and what, would, what, I found my, what I found happening is that we would deal with one kind of weed and then another kind of weed would show up. I'm like, where are y'all coming from? The pits of hell. My lush green yard is no longer, it's lush and green, but it looks like a jungle. What is going on here? And I'd be trying to deal with it, and I, I discovered that if I don't pull that thing up by the root, 
or if I don't put some kind of chemical on it that will absolutely kill it or treat my yard or do something that kills the weed and feeds the grass, it will overtake my yard. Listen, when the builders built that house and put that sod in, they did not plant seeds for weeds, right? The weeds just found their way in there. And can I tell you, pride is the same way in our life. We don't plant seeds for pride. You don't wake up saying, you know what, I'm going to be prideful today. What happens is we are, we're manicuring the landscape of our life, trying to take care of our heart. And somewhere along the way, the weeds of pride have found their way to plant a seed in the heart of our life. And now they find themselves springing up. And here's the thing. If you don't deal with the weed, when you see it the first time, it will overtake everything else. And it's the same way with pride in our life. As soon as we begin to see pride creep up in our life, if we don't deal with it, it will overtake the landscape of your heart. And before long, you will find yourself completely consumed by pride in your life. God hates pride because pride is deceptive. It finds its way in where it was not invited. It starts with a seed. Don't water it. Stop fertilizing that thing. Kill it where it stands. So how do we go about overcoming the paralyzing power of pride in our life? If you have your Bible, go with me to Mark chapter 10 very quickly. Mark chapter 10, we're going to look at verses 17 to 22. Mark chapter 10, we see a picture of what it means to be prideful and how Jesus, Jesus wants, is calling us to address this. In Mark chapter 10, beginning in verse 17, it says this. As Jesus was starting out on his way to Jerusalem... A man came running up to him, knelt down and asked, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good, Jesus asked. Only God is truly good. But to answer your question, you know the commandments. You must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely. You must not cheat anyone. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, the man replied, I've obeyed all of these commands since I was young. Looking at the man, I love this part. He says, looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. There is still one thing you haven't done, he told him. Go and sell all of your possessions and give your money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. Verse 22 says, at this the man's face fell and he went away sad. For he had many possessions. Now this is a picture of what it looks like to live a life where we have exalted other things from the place of pride. Exalted things above God in our life. And Jesus wants to address this in our life. And so the first thing that we've got to understand in dealing with pride in our life is that we've got to expose the hidden truth. We've got to expose that thing that is hidden in our heart, those things that are hidden away. Listen, this rich young man came to Jesus, and according to this story, it looks like he was very respectful. It seems that he honestly wanted to learn from Jesus. He was asking this question sincerely. But how many of you know you can be sincere and be sincerely wrong, right? He comes to Jesus and he asks this question. And here's the thing that, that kind of strikes me in this. How many of you know a lot of times we come to Jesus asking him for things and the answer he gives us isn't always what we wanted to hear, right? 
And a lot of times when Jesus doesn't give us the answer we want to hear, we walk away like this guy sad and dejected. And so Jesus begins to answer this question of what must I do to inherit eternal life? And that man in this moment almost begins to brag about all the things that he had mastered. He wasn't a thief. He wasn't a murderer. He didn't cheat on his wife. He honored his father and mother. But there was still one thing that Jesus said he needed to deal with. He had some baggage in his life that he was unwilling to let go of. And it was rooted in this man's pride. It was rooted in his self-sufficiency. It was rooted in the fact that he had elevated his finances above God. In his life, he wasn't depending on God. He was depending on himself. Jesus understood that until he dealt with the seed and the weed of pride in his heart, that he could not truly ever follow Jesus. You know, this kind of... Is, is, is kind of a picture of what it looks like in the church of 2022. Because we got people who think, well, I've mastered this and I've mastered that, but don't talk to me about what I'm struggling with. You know, we're great lawyers for our own sin, but we're great judges for everybody else's sin. We don't want to deal with our stuff. Don't look at me. Don't talk about my stuff. Pastor, that's for somebody else across the room. And Jesus is looking at us and he's saying, you're doing all the right things, but there's still one thing that you've missed. You've never fully submitted yourself to me. you got things that you're holding on to that you've elevated above me in, in life. We say things like this. Well, I'm glad I'm not a liar like them. But I'll cheat on my taxes. Well, I'm glad I'm not a drunk or a drug addict like them. But guess what? I'm unfaithful to God with my finances. Well, I'm, I'm not a murderer or a killer. But I'll kill you with my gossiping mouth. See, that's pride. When I can point to all the things in my life that I'm so good at, that I've done for God, yet I'm not allowing God to deal with the seed in my heart, deal with the things in my heart, I have given in to the sin of pride. See, I said it a moment ago, that pride is this. It's the hidden sin. It's the one that's easy for us to put in our luggage and walk around and everything looks good. We can go through the airport of life and nobody ever knows that we really got it. But the reality is, is God's saying, until you deal with what's in here, I can't use you. It's the hidden sin. It's the acceptable sin. And here's the deal. Those of us who refuse to let others know that we aren't perfect, who hide our sin, who decline to make any changes because we won't admit our sin, people who so highly prioritize our reputation over godly obedience, we're the ones carrying the baggage of pride. And for us, the, the issue seems minor, but it's the thing that's keeping us bound. Because we can't admit, admit we need God's help. See, sometimes there are some of us, and this is not everybody, and I want you to hear my heart today as your pastor. But this is the thing sometimes that keeps us from responding to God's word. This is the thing that keeps us in our seat when the altar call is given sometimes. Because I'm afraid of what people might think about me. I'm afraid of people. Well, I've been a, I've been a pillar of this church all of these years. Or I've been, I, I've been faithful and people know I'm a Christian. And if I walk down to that altar, they'll think something's wrong. Guess what? There is something wrong. There's something wrong with all of us. 
We all have sin. We all need God's help. We all need God to set us free. And some of us, we have stayed bound for 30 years because we've never said, God, I'm going to deal with this thing once and for all. Because I'm too worried about my reputation. God, listen, God loves you where you are, but he loves you too much to leave you there. God wants you to be free from this stuff, but we want to just tuck it down like we do when we go through the airport when we're trying to hide something from TSA. We want to tuck it down in a sock in the corner and hope God doesn't pick up on it. And God's saying, I see it. I want to deal with it. Because I want you to be free from it. We've got to expose the hidden truth in our heart. We've got to expose those things that we have tried to hide so that we can be who God has called us to be. Would you guys come to the music, please? Then the second thing is this. Not only do we have to expose what's hidden, but we've got to realize that grace leads to love, but love leads to correction. Sometimes God... In his love for us. Because, listen, I think about it like my son. My son Kai is precious to me. Our son Kai is not just my son. I say that all the time. He's our son. Kai is, is precious to us. And because I love Kai, I have to correct him at times. If I did not love my son, I would not correct him. Because I want my son to, to thrive in life. I want my son to be strong. I want my son to do well. I want, him to, I want him to honor God with his life. I want him to do the right things. And so when I see my son doing something he shouldn't do, I correct him. And let me tell you, it is the same way with God. When God brings correction in our life, it's not because God's angry at us. It's because God understands that there is a better way for us. He has a better plan for our life. And so sometimes he brings us to a place of correction so that we can walk in a place of healing. Grace leads to love, but love leads to correction. See, what's amazing to me is the fact that Jesus knew this man was more dependent on his possessions than he was on him as Lord. And yet Mark wrote these words. Jesus loved him. When Jesus looked at him, he saw him, and it says that Jesus loved him. The guy was like, you know what, Jesus? I'm good. I've done all the right things. And Jesus was like, no, you're not good. But I still love your jacked up self anyway. You're not good, but I still love you. Even in your mess. Aren't you thankful for a God who loves us even in our mess? Come on, aren't you thankful for a God who still sees us in our junk and says, I love you anyway and I still want to take care of you? The Bible tells us in Romans 5a that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I'm thankful that God didn't say, you got to go get yourself cleaned up before I'm going to let you come into my presence. No, he said, I love you, son. I'm going to save you, redeem you, and then I'm going to clean you up. Praise God for that. Thankful for the grace and the mercy of God. But I'm thankful that His love corrects me at the right times. See, because that graceful approach of Jesus led to correction in His life. The Bible tells us that it's God's kindness that leads us to repentance. It's not God's anger, it's not God's wrath, it's God's kindness. It's God looking at us and saying, You know better. Anybody ever done that with your kid before? You take a little different approach and you look at them you're like, I'm so disappointed. You know better. Man, Dad, when Dad did that with me growing up, man, it was not, I hated getting a whipping, come on. 
But a whipping was over like that. Man, when I got, I got to a place in my life where the worst thing my dad could look at me and say was, I'm disappointed in you. Man, that broke my heart. Because I knew my dad loved me. And I knew how much my dad and my mom had done for me. And when I think about how much... Think about how much God has done for me. And yet I keep living my life this way. Doing these things for my own gain and my own glory and keeping this stuff in my heart. And God is saying, Trey, I'm disappointed in you. Trey, I'm trying to correct you here because you are leading yourself down a path of destruction. That pride, if you don't deal with that root in your life, it is going to kill you disappointed the Bible says this man says he went away sad Jesus looked at him and said sell everything get rid of it all because it's getting in the way of your relationship with me and it says he walked away sad because he couldn't let go he couldn't let go of these things that he had exalted above God church God is calling to you today He's saying, what's in your heart that you've left undealt with? What, what are you hiding in the corner of your baggage today that, 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 that God is saying, it is time for you to let this stuff go. It's time for you to kill this pride in your life, this control that you seem to have, or this, this, this desire within yourself to elevate yourself somewhere. It's time for you to let these things go to deal with this stuff because here's the deal, until we remove the bag of pride from the throne of our heart, God can never be seated there. Maybe you're hearing this message today and you're saying, well, Pastor, having a little pride isn't that big of a deal. Pastor, are you talking about being proud of my kids? No, I'm not. That's different. I'm talking about the pride that is selfish about me the one that plants that seed in our heart. Maybe, maybe you're saying today, it's not, it's not really that big of a deal. Some of us, we look at pride as if it's just this small, insignificant thing. But the truth is, if we don't address the small stuff, it'll become the big stuff later. In 1986, many of you will remember this, I was only three years old. But I've read about it, seen the videos. In 1986, we spent a record $2 billion building a spaceship called the Challenger. Anybody remember the Challenger? A record $2 billion. Tons of man hours. The best and the brightest minds in the nation working on this project. We're about to launch this thing into space and man, we are, I mean... People were, people were clamoring to get around their TVs because they wanted to witness history. They had spent all this money, all of this time. This was going to be a great national moment of pride. And this national moment of pride turned into a national tragedy. Because the Challenger took off and 73 seconds after it got into the air, it exploded and killed all seven people on board that ship. 
And in, the, in, in just a moment, in 73 seconds, we went from thinking we're going to witness history in such a positive way to witnessing history in one of the most tragic moments of our nation. And when they began to do the investigation to discover what caused the ship to explode like that, they discovered that the fault that caused it to, to explode was a faulty O-ring that cost $900. A $2 billion project, seven lives and all of their families and the nation watching and hurting now all because of a $900 O-ring. Can I tell you, pride is the same way in our life. You can have it all together. Everything can look good on the surface. But if we don't deal with the little thing, it will lead us to destruction. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Deal with the root of pride. Some of us today, we need to do some introspective work. We need to start looking in our heart and saying, God, what's in me? God, what have I hidden in the recesses of my heart? Some of us, we already know. Because we know the thoughts we think on a daily basis. We know what we're thinking when we go to work and we think, well, I deserve that promotion over them. Well, you, you may have. But some of us, we let that stuff just sit in our heart and it begins to shape us in, in, in what, 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 what was originally a thing that seemed so innocent now becomes bitterness in us. Because if we're not careful, pride will lead to bitterness. And bitterness will lead us to destruction. What are those things in me, God, that are left undealt with? Maybe you're in that place today where you find yourself and you're saying, Pastor, I've been trying to do everything on my own. Maybe today you've got control issues. And you just, you say, Jesus, take the wheel, but I'm going to keep the brake and the pedal. Jesus, I'm, I'm going to give all of this to you, but I'm going to hold on to these things because I, I feel like I know better. I can't just trust you with it. That's pride. Or maybe you're saying, well, I, I haven't truly given everything over to God. Maybe today you find yourself in that place where you're saying, there are some things in my life that are sitting on the throne of my heart. I have made my job more important than my relationship with God. I, I've elevated even uh, my family. Can, did you know you can do that? You can elevate your family above God. Your first responsibility in life, your, your top priority is your relationship with the Lord. Your family is second. The first ministry that God gave us in Scripture is the ministry to the family. We see the family there in the very beginning of the Bible. But before that, Adam walked with the Lord. So God, our relationship with God has to come first. God, what are those things in my life? that I've elevated above you? Am I depending more on my finances than I am on you? Am I, am, am I unwilling to tithe and give or bless somebody or, or, or go and serve or do whatever it is because I've now elevated my own needs above what you're calling me to do? That's pride. Or, or, or maybe today you say, well, I'm, I'm upset because I, I feel like I, I deserve something that I didn't get and I just can't get over it. Or maybe you say today, my pride, I know I've got pride. And my pride is the very thing that is causing all the destruction in my relationships. You say, my marriage is falling apart because my pride. 
My relationship with my children is falling apart because I can't get over myself. I, I, keep lo I lose jobs because I can't get over me. I don't know where you are today. But God is speaking to somebody this morning and He's saying, deal with it. It's time to deal with it. It's time to let it go. It's time to take this thing and begin to open it up. It's time to unpack the baggage and get this stuff out. It's time to expose ourselves to a God who doesn't want to hurt us, but to a God who wants to set us free. Would you stand with me this morning? I'm going to ask you as you stand, would you bow your head and close your eyes? Say, Pastor, that's me today. Pastor, that's me. I, I, I've got some things in my, in my heart that I, I got to deal with. I've got some things I've got to let go of. If I'm honest today, Pastor, I, I've got some pride in me. And I see, as I look in my heart today, I see how it has been a stumbling block for me in my life. And I want to be free. I don't want it to stand in the way anymore. Pastor, I need to let this stuff go today. If that's you, with your head bowed and eyes closed, would you just, if you say that's me, would you just slip your hand up? Just slip your hand up and put it back down. I see it, I see it. Just slip your hand up and put it back down. I see it, I see your hand. Let me say this, nobody's looking around, but don't let pride keep you from admitting today. Raising your hand doesn't fix anything, but it is a step of faith to say, God, today I'm, I'm saying, yes, I need to deal with this. If that's you, would you just lift your hand and put it back there? I see you. I see your hands. I see your hands. All over the room today. Now here's what we're going to do. I'm not, I'm not going to call you to the altar. Because I want you to deal with this between you and God. I can lay hands on you and pray for you and I love to do that but let me tell you this I can't dig the root of pride out of your life I can't fix it I can't deal with it the only one who can fix that today is Jesus Christ and so I'm going to ask you for the next few moments that you say pastor I, I need God to help me today I'm going to ask you right where you are to spend the next few moments saying, God, here's my heart. Whatever is in there today, God, I need you to deal with it. I'm, I'm inviting you for the next few moments to open that suitcase, to open that baggage and say, God, dig it out. God, deal with it today. Set me free. Team, they're going to sing. I'm going to pray a prayer. The team's going to sing. And as they sing, I want you to spend the next few moments just you and God. And if you want to come to this altar, you can do that. If you want to kneel at your seat, if you want to stand, if you want to lift your hands, whatever you want to do, whatever is going to help you for the next few moments, get closer to God's presence. And to deal with this in your life, I want you to do that today. Get ready to sing. Father, right now in this moment, Lord, you have spoken your word. And God, I pray right now in the name of Jesus, God, that as we begin to look into our hearts, for the next few moments, God, I pray, Lord, that you would begin to expose some things in us that are not of you.
God, those things, Lord, that we didn't even realize were rooted in pride. God, today I ask you to deal with it. God, expose it. Open the baggage up, God. Dig your hand in there and pull that weed out before it chokes the life out of the seed that you have planted in our heart. God, today, help us to deal with this baggage. Help us to deal with this sin. Help us to walk in freedom. Come on, right where you are, I want you to begin to just spend the next few moments with the Lord. I'm going to have Jonathan and the team sing. For the next few moments are you and Jesus right here, right now. Would you see?